Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. All right, here we go. Monday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. And, of course, on your Super Talk Mississippi radio stations, Coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. That's Pearl River, River Resort Studios, home of the Golden Moon Casino. You can join the conversation on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Seaspire country. Guys, uh, a little less fun of a weekend in the Magnolia State than what we've had for the first month or so of the season. we got to get through it. We'll, we'll get through it. We'll, we'll um, perhaps uh, lament some together this afternoon, and then we'll move on to get ready for another big weekend that is coming up. Yeah, that could have gone better. Ooh, it kind of... Stunk it up around here. Yeah, we really did. We really did. We will we will unpack Mississippi State's game over the weekend on the road against South Carolina. Unpack Ole Miss's game from over the weekend on the road against Alabama. Unpack Southern Miss's game on the road against Arkansas State. But before we do any of that, we'll take a look around the entire college football landscape with... The Blitz. For a few seconds, just imagine the football music. The computer froze. I had to re- I'd reset it. So just ba da 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 And it's, I've almost got it back. All right. Well, it's coming shortly, but let's start with what happened on Friday night. Yeah, that, that's not helping. Oh, Virginia I'm just trying to help. Inventing new ways to lose football games. They fall to 0-4 as... NC State kicks a field goal at the win, at the end of the game to win it. They actually kicked a field goal at the end that wouldn't have won it, except for a personal foul leaping call. Does anybody know the rules? Wait, wait, what are you doing? You can't leap over the line to try and block an extra point. Not an extra point or a field, well, extra point or field goal or anything, but they did. Any kick. Flag comes out. They get another chance. 24-21 NC State on Friday night. Syracuse stays undefeated, 29-16 at home over Syracuse. They scored 26 unanswered points after a sluggish start to knock off Army. 
The opening game in Big 12 play for Cincinnati was spoiled as Oklahoma rolled into Nippert Stadium and won that ball game 20-6. to Cincinnati had some opportunities early in that game, couldn't cash in, had to trade touchdowns for field goals, and as a result came up short in their Big 12 opener. One of the most entertaining games of the day happened in Clemson, South Carolina. It was an 11 a.m. kick. Florida State with a 31-24 overtime victory to snap a seven-game losing streak to Clemson. Travis, the quarterback for Florida State, Jordan Travis, had a couple of touchdowns and 289 yards passing. Perhaps the... uh, I don't know if it's fair to say. I started to say perhaps the ugliest game of the day. It was pretty ugly, but Texas A&M won 27-10 over Auburn. It's a yeah, horrible football game. One. It was really bad. Okay, the, I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. The was highlight really was Jimbo going on the field to yell at a ref, thinking the play was over. Play wasn't over. His guy gets stripped, and there he is five yards on the field. Get out of the I would have smoked him. I would have smoked him. An Auburn player worth, should have run him not over. Getting, should have smoked him. Absolutely. Auburn has got big-time problems on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, In Nashville, Kentucky, really kind of no trouble with Vanderbilt. 45-28 after a 2-0 start. Vanderbilt has lost three in a row. Kind of feels like they might lose seven more in a row before it is all said and done. Hard to find a win on that Vanderbilt schedule. Yep. I forgot to take out the trash, and my wife made me watch that whole game start to finish. That was my punishment. Michigan, with Jim Harbaugh back on the sideline, rolls to a 31-7 win over Rutgers. The Wolverines are now 4-0 and on the year. In the final edition, at least for a while, of the Iron Skillet game in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, TCU makes it three in a row after their season opening loss to Colorado. They beat SMU by a final score of 34-17. Uh, Miami big over Temple. Tyler Van Dyke threw three touchdowns in the win as the Hurricanes keep it rolling. You remember when we talked about teams during the offseason that might could be this year's version of TCU? I gave you what I thought was a pretty good option. Still looking that way. Louisville blasts Boston College 56-28 at home. They are now 4-0 and to start the year. Took a while. Kansas was trailing at home at the half. But they came back as BYU goes down for the first time this season. Kansas improves to 4-0 after a 38-27 win over BYU. Maryland also 4-0 with a 31-9 win over Michigan State. Michigan State has dropped its last two games. But I'm not sure that's the most important thing that is going on in East Lansing. The guy that may have been on the biggest hot seat going into the year, Neil Brown, well... He's giving himself a chance. West Virginia 20 to 13 at home over Texas Tech. They are now 3 and 1 on the season. Big old slice of humble pie was served in um Eugene, Oregon. Oregon dominant. I mean dominant in a win over Colorado 42 to 6. The uh, the 6 for Colorado that was window dressing in the fourth quarter. Oregon, never a doubt in that one. Bo Nix threw for three touchdowns. He also had a rushing touchdown in the ball game. The Ducks, quite impressive. Also impressive, the Duke Blue Devils, who go to 4-0 on the year with a 41-7 win over UConn. Duke, for the first time in school history, will be hosting college game day this week with Notre Dame coming to town. 
basketball version's been there a good bit. College football game day. Right, yeah, I, I saw the, the headline. It was game day, going to Durham for the first time. It was like, no, hold on. you got to specify which game day. In a pair of undefeateds meeting in Salt Lake City, it was Utah and UCLA. UCLA's offense stymied in this fall game. Their defense was really good. Utah, without Cam Rising, once again gets a win. They're now 4-0 on the year, 14-7 over UCLA. How about the uh, the resurgence of South Florida? They're only 2-2 two two on the year, but with a new head football coach, they played really well against Alabama last week, and then they followed it up with a, uh, a big win over Rice, 42-29 in the American Conference opener for those two. Tennessee, 45-14 over UTSA. Big day for Joe Milton. Banged up a little bit in the ball game, but they have said that he is going to be fine to play this week. Remember last week when South uh, South Alabama dominated Oklahoma State on the road, just absolutely whipped them? Well, they went back home this week, and they uh, they were on the short end of the stick. Central Michigan, Jim McElwain and company rolling into Mobile and winning 34-30 over South Alabama. Georgia Tech, we saw them in the state of Mississippi a week ago, losing to Ole Miss. This week they go on the road and face Wake Forest, and it's Georgia Tech that gets the win, 30-16 to to even their record at 2-2, two and two, and they hand the Demon Deacons their first loss of the season. A nice win for uh, Coach Key there in Georgia Tech. They're, they're on the up and up. No doubt. No doubt. We'll see how, how good they are when it's all said and done. Are they middle of the pack in the ACC, or does it finish up a little bit better than that? LSU was a huge favorite over the Arkansas Razorbacks. What, 17, 17 and a half going yeah. into that game? They kicked mm-hmm. a field goal with eight seconds remaining to win it 34-31. Uh, K.J. Jefferson threw for 289 and three touchdowns. He also ran it for, oh, what was it, 48 yards in the game. Jaden Daniels, good again, 20 of 29, 320 yards, four touchdowns, uh, two touchdown receptions for Brian Thomas, two touchdown receptions for Malik Neighbors. If we get to winners and losers, Sam Pittman's game management at the end of that one is a gigantic loser. I just gave his team no shot to get the ball back. We'll get to that later. Florida 22-7 over Charlotte. The Gators are now 3-1 and and just kind of a ho-hum performance. In Jonesboro, Arkansas. Wow, didn't see this one coming. 44-37, Arkansas State over Southern Miss. The Red Wolves are now 2-2. Southern Miss falls to 1-3 on the season. Is Texas back? They look pretty good in one that they might have stumbled in in years past. 38-6, 38-6, Texas over Baylor in Waco. For the second time in three weeks, Northwestern wins on American soil in the continental United States. 37-34 over the Golden Gophers of Minnesota. They won on the 9th of September against UTEP, and they win this past Saturday against Minnesota. Georgia 49-21 over UAB. Ohio State 17-14 over Notre Dame. Would the outcome have been different if Notre Dame had played with 11 players at the end of the game? I don't know. Mizzou 34-27 over Memphis to go to 4-0 on the year. Penn State 31-0 over Iowa. That averaging 25 points a game took a hit in this one as the Nittany Lions moved to 4-0. Drake May North Carolina went at 41-24 over Pittsburgh. One touchdown pass, but two rushing touchdowns for Drake May in the game. 
Washington, 59-32 over Cal. Four more touchdown passes for Michael Penix. And USC wins 42-28 over Arizona State. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. You ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. Brian and Carrollton says, okay, guys. Before you get started, please tell me one of you has another good phone scam story you can talk about instead of the Ole Miss-Alabama game. I, I don't, personally. I, I don't, sorry. I mean, the best I can do is I went to see the uh, the dentist today. I had to get a crown. and So like, so you after, just watched the replay of the Ole Miss game? While I was, oh, yeah. It wasn't a full-on root canal. And they, okay. they got me in and out as quickly as possible, but I, I've still got that lingering numbness. And so, like, from the middle line of my bottom lip kind of around to the other side, it's, like, all numb and tingly and starting to wear off, so it itches a little bit. But uh, sorry, Brian, that's uh, that's the best I can, can do for you on that. So Ole Miss and Alabama, big crowd in, uh, in Tuscaloosa at Bryant-Denny, and Ole Miss got the ball first in the game. Had a couple of nice plays, including hitting Caden Priestcorn for a big gain in the middle of the field. And you're like, oh, that was a tight end over the middle. Wow. Hadn't seen that in a while. And then Is that Kenny Yaboa back there? And then you didn't see it again for the, uh, the rest of the game. That opening drive stalled out for Ole Miss. Alabama drove down the field. Their drive stalled out, but close enough that they were able to kick a field goal to take an early 3 to nothing lead. Ole Miss answered on its second drive, seven plays, 75 yards, took uh, just a touch over three minutes, and it finished with a uh, a Jackson Dart touchdown run. It was a draw play. It was blocked beautifully. It was like the parting of the Red Sea, and he scampered into the end zone, seven to three Ole Miss. And you're like, "Eh, okay, game on. And Alabama, at the midway point of the second quarter, after a blocked punt, had first and goal from the one-yard line. Actually, that's not the right possession. It, or, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That was in the in the second quarter. Had it first and goal from the one. Snapped the ball over Milrose's head. Had a couple of plays go backwards, and then they kicked a field goal. Ended up being a forty yard field goal to make it seven to six. That was a halftime score. Bama came out after Ole Miss did nothing on the opening possession of the second half, and the Crimson. Uh, wait, that's not right. Alabama got the ball first to start the second half. Three minute fifty one second drive. Uh, with a field goal, and it's 9-7. to seven. And so you've played a half and a drive, and you're going, man, the Ole Miss defense, they're, they're kind of doing their job. They have turned away Alabama in a sure scoring situation. They forced three field goals. Offense just got to get going a little bit. Surely that's going to happen. It did not. Um, touchdown pass from Alabama made it 17-7 to seven midway through the third quarter. Ole Miss got a field goal from Caden Davis to make it a one-score game with 34 seconds left in the third quarter. And still you're like, okay, Ole Miss has really done nothing offensively. Alabama's kind of taken control offensively, and yet still it is a seven 
point game. Next drive for Alabama. Uh, Jace McClellan takes it in from eight yards out. It was a six-play, 75-yard drive. 24-10 to 10 was the final. A couple of numbers from the game, and then we'll kind of dive into it. Jackson Dart goes 20 of 35, 244 yards, no touchdowns, one interception in the ballgame. Leading rusher was Quinshawn Judkins. He carried it 13 times for 56 yards, averaged a little over four yards a carry. Jackson Dart had 12 carries for 33 yards. Alabama was led on the ground by Jace McClellan, 105 yards rushing and a touchdown. He looked like an Alabama running back. Uh, Jalen Milrow, this is probably the difference in your game. Jalen Milrow settled in, played confident, didn't try to do more than he was capable of. 17 of 21, 225 yards, one touchdown, one interception. His interception was bad. But after that interception, he played almost flawlessly for the rest of the ballgame. Yeah. I'm splitting hairs with something you said, though. The difference in the game wasn't anything that Alabama did offensively or Ole Miss did defensively. Going into that game, if I told you Ole Miss was going to give up 225 through the air and Alabama was going to run for 2.9 per carry, you would have said Ole Miss wins by three touchdowns. They absolutely, on that side of the ball, played well enough to win the game. No doubt about it. Uh, When you you are as thin as they are in spots on defense, and they were asked to be on the field for as long as they were asked to be on the field because of repeated empty and short offensive possessions, and you give up 225 through the air and 2.9 per carry, you win the game. And they did. You're supposed to. You should. Uh, Asking any more out of your defense would have been malpractice, and three of the 24 points they gave up were, as you mentioned, Drive started first and goal at the one because of a blocked punt. And punting for Ole Miss is an issue, too. But, um, you know, to me, this game, you know, we can talk about that. We can talk about Jackson Dart, the offensive line play, which isn't good, the lack of creativity, it seems, with play calling. I mean, going an entire quarter in four possessions without getting Quinshawn Judkins a touch of the football is malpractice. It's, it's, it's malpractice. Creative offensive minds find ways to get their best players the football, even if the offensive line is struggling some. Look at what Kyle Shanahan does uh, with his offense. If you're shutting down uh, Christian McCaffrey, if he can't run up the middle, guess what they do with him? They move him around. They get him the ball in space. Debo Samuel, if, if they're bracketing covering Debo Samuel and, and you can't get him the ball downfield, he brings him into the backfield. So we can talk about all that, and all that is valid. But to me, this game is about Lane Kiffin. And the conversation, I don't think it's about the minutia of they should have run this play here. I think it's about Lane Kiffin. It's about Lane Kiffin because he's the head coach, and he is the offensive mind that offense stunk in this game. But the lead-up into this game, how he acted, the taunting and, and all that, and then the way it was received by his fan base after the game. I learned this weekend, I was kind of surprised by it. Lane Kiffin's Q rating with Ole Miss fans is extremely low. The visceral reaction to the outcome of the Alabama game was unlike anything I've seen. I've only lived here 14 years, but I have not seen an Alabama loss go like that. Directed towards the head coach. The program's won there twice ever. Losing to Alabama is not what made people mad. It was the way he carried himself and then lost to Alabama that made people mad. 
I didn't expect the reaction to be as visceral as it was after the game. You can excuse a loss to Alabama usually. Ole Miss fans are not. Yeah, I mean, to to that point, it's a two-score loss to Alabama. There's been worse. A lot worse. There's, there's, there's been a, a lot worse. I seem to recall a 62 to, what was it, 62 to 3, 62 to 7. Hey, Dad, I'm sure you remember. Very, very lopsided. I think it was like that a couple couple years in a row. Yeah. You know, 18 very, and 19. Very, very lopsided. So this was not that. I think it's a reminder that actions have consequences. I don't think the reaction that you're talking about, Borky, is a result of just one game or a few tweets. This is the completely predictable carryover from how last season ended. Right? With all the, is he going to go? Is he going to stay? And the bad performance against Arkansas and the bad performance against Mississippi State and then losing the bowl game and all of those things on their own. It's just losses, right? You win a game, you lose a game. I mean, that was a, a an eight-win football team a season ago. And it's not even the way it looked at the end of the season. It's all the other stuff off the field. And people moved on. They, they I don't know if anybody forgave. Certainly nobody forgot. But they moved on, right? You get the spring ball and people quit talking about all of the, the craziness at the end of last year. You get into camp leading up to the start of the season and there's the whole hope springs eternal and it's a fresh slate and whatever. And you go off to a three and O start and you know, you can, you can question some things that you see, but this is the first game where there were stakes right where it mattered. This first game this year for Ole Miss that mattered. It mattered a lot because it was an opportunity to take on an Alabama team that has not been as good as most of Alabama's teams for the last decade and a half. This is, this is not the same Alabama. Now, it may be the same Alabama on defense, maybe a better version of Alabama's defense than what we've seen in some recent years. But offensively, they're a shell of themselves. And when not only you lose a game, but you lose a game where you look inept offensively, you can't do anything, and you don't understand why you're doing things over and over, right? Like Ole Miss was not getting to the perimeter with speed sweeps, jet sweeps, and yet they, they continued. Ole Miss had success on the first play of the game in the middle of the field and then never really went back to it. Didn't push ball, the ball down the field except the, the one time. And, it, and largely that was because they couldn't get separation, but not a lot there offensively. And so when you have all of the upheaval that Ole Miss had at the end of the year and you finish it off with a contract that makes your head coach one of the ten highest paid coaches in America and he's making $9 million, and people are invested financially in the program in a way that they have never been invested before, and then the program doesn't perform, that's the reaction that you get. And I don't know that there's any reason that anybody should apologize for reacting that way. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Communication system is a go. Go! This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly.
So there are lots of questions going forward for the Ole Miss football team following their loss to Alabama. They're 3-1. and one. There are plenty of opportunities in front of them. There are plenty of challenges in front of them. Um, you know, you, you look at Ole Miss's schedule ahead, and you go, well, they're probably not going to beat Georgia. They got a massive challenge, also a massive opportunity, but, but a massive challenge in front of them on Saturday against LSU. Aside from that, the rest of the schedule, based on what the SEC looks like, and you're kind of like, well, how are they going to respond to the loss against Alabama? That That's it, right there. Because Cause, cause last year, the loss to Alabama put them into a tailspin. And it started at the top. That that started at the top. That that was an emotional tailspin that began at the top of the program. That can't happen again. Because you're right. It, it, we've got a, per, a couple texts. Ole Miss is going to lose five more games to Texas A&M and uh, Arkansas. And, okay. They can, certainly. And this applies to Mississippi State as well. And everybody in the West at this point. Ha, how have you watched a single team in the SEC play and think, can't beat them? And how have you watched your team play if you are anybody in the SEC and think, oh, well, we're definitely beating them, absent Vanderbilt? This is as inconsistent and flawed as the SEC has been in quite some time. Arkansas couldn't score on Kent State, lost to BYU, and then had to get beat by a last-second field goal in Baton Rouge. Georgia cannot score on anybody. It took heroism from a walk-on running back in the second half to beat South Carolina. So, Lane's got to earn his money now. Just losing to Alabama is not, especially a two-touchdown loss on the road at Alabama is not, well, that you shouldn't have paid him $9 million because of that one game. Now he's about to earn his money. Now we're about to find out really... What Lane Kiffin is made of, I think. Saturday should have humbled him. That's the word that I used last night. That's the word I'm going to keep using. Is it? Sh- now, don't expect it to. I mean, he's lost to Alabama before and still did what he did this week. But that should have been a humbling loss. We'll see if they, they get up off the mat and respond. But I don't know how, if you're a state fan, you watch... Arkansas play and watch Texas A&M play and watch Auburn play and think, oh, can't beat them. Yeah. There's no yeah, way you State can has beat one them. game. State has one game left that they're not going to win for sure, and that's this weekend with Alabama. Ole Miss, unfortunately for them, has two. They're not going to beat LSU, and they're not going to beat Georgia. Everything else is up in the air for both teams. So there's a there's a there's a a great chance to turn it around for both teams. And there's a great chance that they don't, and they both end up poor this season. I, I'm going to push back on one thing. I'm, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you about LSU, mm-hmm. but assuming that LSU is a loss, if you're assuming that Arkansas can be a win, or, or hold on, assuming that LSU is a loss, if you're assuming that Arkansas can be a win, doesn't make mm-hmm. sense based on what we saw in Baton Rouge on Saturday night. I mean, it, it, I think it, LSU play play poorly Saturday night. I think they're a better team than that. Isn't that the thing, though? That, that's kind of yeah, it. And right? Arkansas, 
Arkansas historically plays LSU close in Baton Rouge, so I, I, I'm willing to I'm willing to, to write that one off. We'll see. We'll see what happens this weekend. But Ole Miss has got to do a lot of things better. I mean, they got to get healthier. That's part of it. But there's this thing happening too. I keep directing everything back to Lane Kiffin because I think that that matters. That people are skipping over Lane and pointing at Charlie Weiss Jr. For example, we got that text on the text line. Lane's not the OC. Well, he's got a headset and a play sheet. What do you think he's doing with those two things on the sideline? And he was asked about it yesterday and said he lets Charlie call the plays but intervenes when he has to. You know what that means? He endorses every single play call. Yep. And what they looked like offensively was conservative and unprepared. And that doesn't mean they didn't prepare, but that's what it looked like. And got dominated. LSU presents a challenge that is very similar to what Alabama presents you defensively. If that's how they're going to go into the next game, they're going to get beat there too. And Pete Golding's defense is vastly improved from a year ago under Chris Partridge. Vastly improved. But they're not keeping teams off the scoreboard. LSU's going to score more more than 24 points on Saturday. I'd, I'd put 100 bucks down on that right now. They're better, but they're not perfect. And at some point, you're going to have to score to win. It's all up to Lane. It's all up to the offense. It, it is It is up to him and Charlie Weiss Jr. To, to figure this out. But this is not... Saturday wasn't new. They struggled early against Tulane. Struggled early against Georgia Tech. They couldn't score against Texas Tech. They couldn't score against Mississippi State. Quinshawn Judkins had to be an absolute animal to beat a pathetic Texas A&M team last year. They couldn't score against Kentucky. This isn't new. So is it, is it as simple in your mind as, as play calling and game plan, or is it personnel, or I don't, is it scheme? Or, I don't get paid $9 million to know. That, that, that is for Lane Kiffin, who... In previous places, because we've had people in the text on already, oh, maybe he's not that good at coaching. Stop. He is established at multiple places that he is a very exceptional offensive mind. But why not now? Is it as simple as offensive line play? I don't think so. But I don't get paid $9 million to figure it out. He needs to. And he needs to prove his worth. It's odd, though, that you know for three years Ole Miss has been the best running team in in the SEC, and that's with you know different sets of running backs. You know they had Connor and Ely and Parrish, then they go to Judkins and Evans last year, and now this year with Judkins back, Bentley is there. Offensive line is supposed to be a, a bit of a strength. They're, they're just not. Dart is the only running they have right now. Judkins does not look like himself. Nobody else has picked up the slack. And when you can, you've turned Ole Miss into a team that, you know, the, the reason that they always have those explosive passing plays is because you're so concerned about the run that you're just leaving guys open in the secondary. Now nobody's concerned about the run, and so they're shutting down Ole Miss as a passing team. It's really kind of weird to see the regression of Quinchon Jenkins. I don't, I don't know if he's fully healthy. I know he's battled some injuries this year, but he does not he, look right. He out said there. in meeting with the media today that this past Saturday he was healthier than he has been at any point coming back from his injury. 
That's an injury that nobody knew anything about, that nobody's talked about. Yeah, who knows? I mean, to me, that that's but the he disservice. looked better Saturday though. He looked yeah, he better. Did. He did, but he got thirteen carries, thirteen. But 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 again, what I was gonna say is that's part of the disservice of we're going to hide injury information in the same way that we would want to hide nuclear codes if we had them, so that nobody, nobody, nobody would know. Don't don't you want people to know? If Quinshawn Judkins has played in the first three games and has largely been ineffective, that part of the reason is because he's banged up and he's trying to play through an injury? Wouldn't you want people to know that? Instead of being like, what's wrong with Quinshawn Judkins? He's hurt. He's trying to play through it. Okay. (laughs) Feels like good information. Yeah, Trey Harris played a little bit on Saturday. What's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? Do you know? Two MCL, but do, do the Ole Miss fans at large know? That's why I like Brian Kelly's approach. Just tell people, because yeah. instead, because I got a text Saturday night, said where the heck with a different word is Trey Harris? He's in uniform. He's playing. Why is he not on the field? Well, because he's hurt. Well, what's wrong with him? I, I can't tell you. I mean, there, there's rumors, but I have no idea what to tell you. I don't know why he's not playing. I don't know what's wrong with him. Not not officially. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. So what? So, um, so what now with Kiffin though? Nine million dollars a year. This was a winnable game for Ole Miss. It was. I don't think he's going to change his Twitter personality. No. Anytime soon. So, so what now? Earn it. I mean, it's this weekend is vital for a couple of reasons. What? One to get out of the stink of last weekend. But if they lose to LSU, I mean. Aren't you afraid of that spiraling out of control? Yeah. So, so you said this weekend is vital. Mm-hmm. I would say this weekend is big. But regardless next of the weekend. outcome on Saturday night, next Saturday is vital. Next weekend is vital. It's Ole Miss has that, to beat you know, Arkansas have, in two weeks. They have to. I had Ole Miss. I had Ole Miss losing that game. I have both State and Ole Miss three and three in my preseason projections. I might change that now and say that I think Ole Miss is going to lose to A and M and beat Arkansas, but. That is the that is the season Wait, for Ole Miss well, right on, there. Hold on a second. What did you see from A and M that makes you change that prediction? Their their defensive line is just really really good. I think they can control Ole Miss the same way Alabama did. Did you way. watch their game against Miami? They play poorly against Miami. I agree. I agree to that. The West is ridiculous. Nobody's good. Everybody's it's, bad. It's, it's on the road too, isn't it? It's in A and M. No, it's at home. No, it's not. It's in Oxford. Yeah. So I don't know. Then. Right. I don't know. More coming up. We'll see. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much love as a man insane. You broke my wind. What about a threat? Goodness, you wreckage and quitting balls of fire. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. James in um, Hattiesburg says, I still think Saturday's game only came down to two or three plays. The missed field goal, one is the overthrow that Dart made in the end zone. The game's different. 
They didn't run the ball well, but it really came down to two or three plays. I don't think it's time to let the house fall on Kiffin. And maybe, maybe there's something to that, right? I mean, okay, so think about the two-play sequence in the second half. Yeah. Ole Miss takes a shot deep into double coverage, Bad fourth decision. row, intercepted. Alabama takes a shot deep into one-on-one coverage with, I think, a safety coming over, and they hit the big shot play. They catch it. Ole Miss misses the field goal in the the first half, um, which would have made their halftime lead four instead Mm -hmm. of one. Jordan Watkins was on that last drive that Ole Miss had. Jordan Watkins was wide open in the end zone, and Jackson Dart just had that ball sail on him. Now, there's a lot that had to happen, right? I mean, Ole Miss was down two scores with, what, two or three minutes left at that point? However, did have all three timeouts. I mean, that that could have made it interesting. And, and Yeah, it makes it a one-score game, though, with three minutes left, and who knows what happens because you're going to try an onside kick and what's your defense going to do and how's Alabama going to respond and all those things. I mean, conventional wisdom tells you Alabama would recover an onside kick, get the ball back, run the ball the way they were running it in the second half, get a couple of first downs, and the game would end. Mm-hmm. But – you still would have had to play it out in that situation with three timeouts remaining, knowing that you had to get a stop and get the ball back and you were going to have a chance to win the game. Right. So, who knows? Um, and no, nobody here is saying but yes. the house should fall on Kiffin. The house is – no, it's one game. It is a game that most everybody thought that they were going to lose anyway. Now, Alabama looking human changed that. It's But – why were they only one or two plays away if if Dart doesn't throw that interception or or whatever? Why were they there? It wasn't because they played great offense. That That's the issue. Last year they played a well-rounded football game, moved the football, scored points, ran it well. 21 was a disaster. Get your popcorn ready. 20, they moved the football up and down the field and up and down the field and up and down the field. Saturday was an offensive nightmare while the other side was playing well above expectations. And, you know, the the reaction is, is something that interests me so much because Ole Miss fans don't expect to beat Alabama every year. They don't. It had, had there not have been the antics going into the game, I think the reaction would have, would have been different. Frankly, I still think him trolling Nick Saban in the press conference is funny. It still makes me laugh. But I don't buy season tickets. I don't spend $1,000 for a a night and a hotel room to go to the game. I don't have the collective auto-drafting money out of my bank account every month to pay players that you don't even use. A lot of money. Yeah, and you spelled that out a little bit. I mean, that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier when I said people are more invested than they've ever been. I mean, there there was a point, if you think about it, where the, the fundraising piece was... People bought tickets to go to the game. They gave whatever they had to get, had to give to you know have priority to buy the seats that they wanted. But then you had really wealthy people who had an affinity for the university that gave to the foundation. And then sometimes there would be like a capital campaign, and people would be asked yeah. to give a little bit more. You are now asking people to give monthly or annually at a significant level beyond season tickets beyond the donation for the priority points necessary to get the seats that you want. And and, and all of that's a more pro- expensive proposition than it's ever been before. Mm-hmm. And so people are investing in the football program. Think about it this way. Like, 
the, the previous giving was what was necessary for you to be able to go and watch the game. The giving that we're talking about now is not unlike the money that is held out of your paycheck that goes into your 401k every month. Or if you have investments outside of that, whether it's a, a Roth or you're investing in the stock market or whatever it is, and you get those quarterly reports from your broker and you open it, and when you open it, you want to see an increase in the amount of money you had at the beginning of the quarter with the amount of money that you've got at the end of the quarter. So if, it, if it's January 1st through March 31st, and that statement comes the first week of April, you want to see that over the course of those three months, your money grew beyond just the money that you put into the account. Well, you're investing in this as well. And if you're given $100 a month or $1,000 a month, and this isn't unique to Ole Miss, to the Grove Collective or the Bulldog Initiative or whatever anybody else's collective is, these games are your quarterly reports. And, and, and if you saw your money go up, you're happy. You win, you're happy. If you saw that there was a loss on investment, you're mad, you're frustrated. Especially when your broker doesn't appear to be taking it seriously. Okay, that's a, that's a, another add-on. Let's change directions and go to Columbia, South Carolina when we come back. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. With you at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Get in on the action at the sportsbook inside the Golden Moon. For more, uh, to learn more, check them out at pearlriverresort.com. Protect and connect. That's the newest plan from Seaspire that is for parents and kids. It gives the kids the device they want and the parents the peace of mind they need. Learn more about Protect and Connect with cspire.com. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, thanks for being with us. This is traditionally the time where we've done winners and losers, but we've had a lot to get to these last couple of weeks, and so we'll try to push winners and losers into the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, let's talk a little bit um, about the, uh, the the game on Saturday night. An entertaining football game, Mississippi State at South Carolina. A, uh, a mostly full Williams-Brice Stadium looked good, sounded good, was loud, tough environment to play in on the road. And South Carolina came kind of swinging out of the gates and took an early lead in the ball game. They led 14 to nothing. And if you're a Mississippi State fan, and we're being honest right now, you probably were like, here we go again. And then, at um, I just picked up the phone, hey, Dad, like during a, a commercial break in the TV game, and, and I called somebody with the ability to make these decisions. I'm like, I've been saying for years you guys ought to use Tulu Griffin a little bit more. Why don't you use Tulu Griffin a little bit more, you morons? And then I hung up. 
And doggone if they didn't hit him for a 65-yard touchdown pass. And um, didn't have him finish the night with seven catches for 256 yards. What a night for Tulu Griffin. What a night for Will Rogers. On the heels of his worst game, throwing the football as quarterback at Mississippi State, he goes 30-48 of with a touchdown and an interception for 487 yards. And it, it was just like no ifs, ands, or buts. It was a good night throwing the football for Will Rogers. Was it a perfect game? No. No. Interception he'd like back, fumble he'd like back. Wasn't a perfect game. But it was a really, really good game. And statistically the best game of his career, at least in terms of yards. Now, would you trade 180 yards and have a 300-yard passing night for three or four touchdowns through the year? Yeah, I guess so. Whatever. Splitting hairs. Point is, Will Rogers was not the reason that Mississippi State lost on Saturday night. It, it's funny, right? It's it's diametrically opposed to the Ole Miss-Alabama game. Ole Miss lost their game because of what their offense didn't do. Mississippi State lost its game on Saturday night because of what its defense didn't do. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, you couldn't pick up the phone and say cover somebody while you while you were at it. I mean, help me out here, Richard. Um, yeah, defensively, this team is soft. There's just, there's just no getting around that particular fact. Apologize for my voice, y'all, today. It's still battling this head cold or whatever it is. Um, I thought, thought that defensively, <laughs> something like that. I've been much sicker on this radio program, I promise. Um, I thought that defensively, the state just doesn't look like a Zach Arnett defense is supposed to look. I mean, they're not physical. They're not flying around. They're not, they don't seem overly aggressive. And when they are overly aggressive, they are getting bit really, really badly with big plays. Um, you know, there were a couple of bright spots. I thought that Sean Preston in the second half made a real difference for them when he came back from suspension. I thought Nate Pickering had, had, a, had a pretty good game. I thought Crumity had a couple, a couple of good plays. But by and large, I mean, the, you guys asked me all off season. You were like, "What? What is your concern with state? What is your concern?" And I, what did I always say? Secondary, 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 secondary. They, they just they're just not right back there. And this is two weeks in a row where I've been on this program like, "Yeah, can't let this guy beat you." And that's exactly what Mississippi State has done. First, it was Malik Neighbors, and this week it was Xavier Leggett. Uh, just, I mean, had two back-breaking long touchdowns, including the first play of the second half, where you you felt like you had some momentum there going into the locker room. You have that long field goal, and you feel pretty good about yourself. And then first play, boom, seventy-five yard touchdown pass. Just not a lot they could do there. But you're right, offensively, there were some positives to, to take away. I thought both of the turnovers were were kind of questionable from an officiating standpoint, but it is it is what it is on that. Um, and, and we weren't able to run the football. We need, we, we need to sure. make a, a note and come back yeah, yeah. to those. Uh, from a running standpoint, it was it was really odd to me how successful State was from a play action passing standpoint when they couldn't run the football at all. Uh, they, they did a great, South Carolina was committed to bottling up Woody Marks. I think they thought, okay, if we stop him, they've got nothing. And Will Rogers went out there and proved them wrong. Rogers played a great game. He's the only reason State was in the game at all. I feel like State fans. Yeah, they they are really hard on Will Rogers. They they expect perfection from him each each time out. I mean, everybody makes bad throws. Everybody has bad plays. Um, but for state fans for these past couple of weeks, they're I think they're just they're just locked in trying to to to, to hate on Will Rogers. And I, I don't mean to put it that way because he's, he deserves criticism for the way he played last week. But this week, 
I thought he was a hero. Played his best game as a Bulldog. Showed that, you know, the whole I don't have a, a good arm is not really the case. Hit some deep balls. Uh, got two Lou Griffin involved. Got Xavier Thomas involved. Got Justin Robinson involved. There's some things that you can build on offensively, but if you can't stop anybody, you know, what's the point? So, the interception, people have talked a ton about that, about the, the South Carolina interception where the defender was out of bounds and came back inbounds. As I under, there, there are two different rules there for an offensive player and a defensive player, and I think that's where the confusion happens. An offensive player can't be the first player to touch the ball when coming out from out of bounds back inbounds, right? Uh, unless Correct. unless they have been forced out of bounds by a defender and immediately adjust to get back onto the field of play and establish themselves as in inbounds. Whereas a defender has to be in bounds, but it's not a, a, a rule where you have to establish yourself with two feet or anything like that. And so by the South Carolina defender going airborne from out of bounds and then coming in the first first thing getting his his right foot down inbounds with his left foot in the air coming back inbounds and then catching the football even before a second foot is down that was why they ruled it an interception is that how you guys understand that rule as well I, I learned something on Saturday night. So I, at my first thought was, there's no way he reestablished himself in bounds. Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Hey, Dad's uh, officiating expert on Twitter uh, learned me something. They, mm-hmm. based on the rule that, that he had screenshot ready to go and, and replied to me with it, they did actually get that call correct. There's a different threshold for defense than there is offense. All he had to do was have that little toe in bounds just for half a second while his other foot came up and catch the football, and that is all he needed to do based on the rule. I, I learned something new on Saturday night. And then what was the other turnover in question? On the, oh, the, the strip the, sack. The, yeah. I thought that was iffy. I mean, if it's a fumble, you don't see a lot of fumbles go a, a good spiral ten yards down the field. I thought I thought it was an incomplete pass, but not ruled that way. Yeah, that that was odd, right? Because not a great day for uh, not a great day for SEC officiating in any game. I mean, you had the Alabama game where they 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 miscounted the downs, and Alabama was was taken away from a first down. Um, yeah. There was a, a, a yeah. You have no no penalty Bad, call on face, face mask early. Also, there was that. You have the, no penalty called on Jimbo Fisher for being on the field in the middle of a play. That's why. That's why I would have smoked him. Yeah, been like I will make the refs do something here. How do you not call a, a penalty on that? But they did. Uh, just a bad. Well, of course, you know, what are we talking about here? Another day at the office on the strip sack because clearly. Rogers' arm was hit before it started going forward. But that doesn't mean the ball just disappeared from his hand. But his grip was loosened. But he was still able to propel the ball forward with his hand. So what constitutes a quarterback having possession of the football? What happens if he fumbles the snap a little bit and just kind of shoves it forward into a receiver's... You know what I mean? What constitutes a quarterback having control of the football? Let's pretend the snap, 
you know, hits him in the sh- in, in the knee and it pops up and he just slaps the ball forward. Is that a fumble? Mm-hmm. Or or is that an incomplete pass? Because you can bat the ball down and it's an incomplete that that is something that and I wish that we would have gotten a better explanation on the broadcast we didn't but the ball was somewhat dislodged from his hand. However, he was still able to push his hand forward and essentially throw the ball. It had a spiral on it. But it wasn't in the same control of his hand when he pushed his hand forward. So is that a fumble, or does that count as losing control of the ball? Or not? Well, and clearly what they saw in the replay was that it was a fumble, right? I mean... And it's almost like we're once again in that thing where when you go frame-by-frame slow-mo replay, it's almost like it does a disservice. Like you'd almost say, no, you have to watch it in real time and make a determination off that. And if you can't, then go with the call on the field. Eh. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. (laughs) On Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi streaming at Supertalk TV, Supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us. You're going to be a part of the conversation. You can join us on the ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. So, pretty different offensive approach for Mississippi State on Saturday night, Haydad. Very different. And and that's that kind of looked like what I was expecting to see the first three games from what we talked about this offseason, right, about explosive plays and being vertical in the passing game and getting your best guys on the field. State's best three receivers are Justin Robinson, Tulu Griffin, Savion Thomas. Creed Whittemore is probably fourth, to be honest with you. <clears throat> and that's a statement about how far Jaden Wally has kind of fallen off the pace. Jordan Mosley had a catch, but he also had a drop. A big drop there, or, or I don't know if drop's the right word, but he, he had a chance to make a big play and yeah. didn't get there. But like I said earlier, I was surprised at how effective State was with play action when they couldn't run. Uh, you know, I, South Carolina clearly was just sold out to stop the run. They had guys in the box. So, you know, you look at this weekend with Alabama and you're thinking, you know, Alabama is not a team that needs to commit eight, nine, ten guys to the box. To, to slow down State's running game. They can probably do it out of some base formation. So I don't know that State can have that same kind of success against Alabama. But against other teams, I think they can. And I, I thought it was, you know, I've been saying it for three weeks that Will Rogers needs, needed to take the top off and just fling some balls down the field. If they get intercepted, if they fall incomplete, who cares? Just do it, just to show everybody that you can. And then you saw this week, you know, when he, when he wants to rip the ball down the field, I mean, is he Matt Corral? Has he got that kind of arm strength? No. But is, do you have enough arm strength to consistently throw the ball 40, 50 yards down the field? Yeah. 
He can do that on a consistent basis. And Tulu Griffin is the kind of receiver who can get underneath those balls on a consistent yeah. basis. Where, where is that confidence every week, man? He looks so comfortable throwing vertically to guys that were covered. Like, and cover is a relative term. But having to throw it in a spot where if you don't hit it in that spot, the ball's hitting the turf or getting intercepted. And he did it repeatedly. Where is that all the time? And, and and it's not it didn't exactly come from protection, right? Because State was still he was still under stress. He got sacked, I think, four times in the game. Uh he he was under pressure the whole game, but for whatever reason, Will Rogers found that confidence, that inner strength that he's been he that he quite frankly he lacked against LSU and 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 got the ball down the field and if you're a person who last week after the LSU game was was super concerned about this 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 offense, this weekend showed you a little bit of what you can maybe expect going forward. Now this weekend against Alabama, no, I expect them to, to get handled pretty easily. But after that, the rest of these defenses in the conference, State has some opportunities there. Yeah. I mean, there was very much a let it rip attitude for Will Will Rogers, or at least it looked like it. Like he just went out there and and just spun it for for three hours, mm-hmm. and you know got up from those hits. I, I do still think, and I know, hey, Dad, this flies a little in the face of what you've said, but I think there's enough evidence overall to say the way you knock Will Rogers off his game is by pressuring him. Yes, no, no, I agree with that because he traditionally has not handled in the face, up the middle pressure, getting mm-hmm. him on the run, trying to make hard throws on the run, has not traditionally mm-hmm. handled that very well. And he made a couple of plays with his feet Saturday mm-hmm. night. He had a couple of times where he rolled away from pressure. He had one run. Now he ended up, uh, he dropped the ball, but the state got it back. But he actually ran, you know, made a couple of plays with some with his legs on Saturday night. That was very surprising. So where did state go from here? I mean, I know because of the history with Alabama, you're just automatically writing off the Alabama game. I, I, I get it. I, I understand. But Alabama's still got to come to town. Alabama is two weeks removed from a game in which they scored three points in the first 30 minutes against South Florida. Alabama's not <clears throat> going to – I don't think they're just going to light the scoreboard up. I don't think. We haven't seen that yet. If they do – that may be more of an indictment on Mississippi State's defense. Milrow, similar to the quarterbacks that they have played, but he's he's limited as a passer. Now, there, there's raw ability there. Like, he can connect on deep balls at times, but, I mean, his interception was really bad. He, he's not certainly not consistent. This is the worst passer of these four mobile quarterbacks in a row that they've played. But the best runner. Yeah. The best runner of, of those. I said I said this on Saturday. I really believe this. Here's a thing that is true for you. If Alabama's offensive coordinator was Dan Mullen, whoo, buddy, that team would be hard to stop. Because Milrow is just born to run that offense. Um, I, I think you know, getting past this week, it is about being competitive, though, right? If you listen to tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast, we go into a great deal of detail. Last year in the SEC West, everybody scored 20 or more points on Alabama. Mississippi State has scored 22 points in Alabama the last five years. Everybody in the conference who's played Alabama outside of Vanderbilt over the last five years has had a competitive, at least one competitive game with them or beaten them. Not Mississippi State. State has not scored more than nine points against Alabama in the last five years. So just be competitive, man. Just make it. A, when we go to the fourth quarter, can the game be 
31 to 14 or something like that. That's not even that competitive, but at least you're on the scoreboard and you, you look like you, 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 you're competent at least. Get past this game. Then you have Western Michigan. That can be a get-right game for you. You should be able to beat them pretty easily. Then you have the bye week, and then you have back-to-back trips to Arkansas and Auburn, and it's just what do you do in those two games. That's going to determine your season. Auburn's really bad. I said all, the West is all good you and all bad able, at the same time. You should be Auburn's able to win then. The, the worst team in the West. All, State has a chance to be favored in that game. Arkansas, they probably won't be favored, depending on what happens the next few weeks with Arkansas, though. Yeah. Because they have tough games. They have A&M this week, and then they have Ole Miss, and then I think, I'm not sure who they have the weekend of the 14th, but they have tough games coming up. Yeah. And until Rocket Sanders gets back, I don't know, I can't really, with a straight face, tell you I think Arkansas is going to win games. And I think the expectation is that he is coming back this week against Texas A&M. That would be huge for them. He did not travel to Baton Rouge, was not with the team for the uh, LSU game on Saturday, but the thought was that he was likely going to be back for the game against A&M in Arlington this week. So we will uh, we will wait and see ultimately on that. Um, let's see here. On the ground, Mississippi State carried it 47 times. Nope, that's not right. Hold on. Mississippi State that's carried not right it at all, yeah. 23 times for 31 yards. Yeah, just could not get anything going. Woody Barnes, 12 carries for 27 yards and a touchdown. Tulu Griffin had one for nine. Will Rogers, six for a net of zero. He gained 16 yards, lost 16 yards in sacks. Uh, Nobody's clamoring for Mike Wright today. I hadn't heard much of that. But I still don't know what, what the deal is with him. I don't know what State wants to do with him. I feel like they've got this weapon they're not really using. But at the same time, if Will Rogers is going to throw for 480 yards... You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I heard you say that you're not changing your record prediction yet for yeah. Mississippi State. I, I'll, I could, though. State, State's not as good as I thought they would be. But everything I've – I mean, I've, I had them 2-2 two and two at this point. So when we get to that Arkansas game, I have that predicted as a win. I want to see how that turns out. Yeah. I'm not changing my Ole Miss one either. So I mean, do do you think differently? So so your rationale on your Ole Miss prediction has been mm-hmm. they've been so bad defensively. I see no reason to believe that they're going to be any better on the defensive side of the ball. They're pretty clearly mm-hmm. better on the defensive side of the ball. They are better. They're but they're not. They're, but they're worse offensively than I thought they'd be. Well, I knew you were going to say that, but I was going to ask if if that I mean they are getting healthier on the offensive side I mean uh, yeah assuming that you have Caden Priestcorn and you have Trey Harris and you have Quinshawn Judkins all healthy that that should change the mm-hmm. and I guess Franklin as well but I just was curious if if it had changed the way you looked at them well like I said I, I don't think they'll beat LSU or Georgia the egg ball is always a toss-up right now I, I don't even know who would be favored in that game. Probably Ole Miss, by, but not by a lot. And then I have the, I had them losing to Arkansas. If Arkansas comes in with Jefferson and Sanders, I think they'll beat Ole Miss. If Sanders isn't there, Ole Miss will probably win. A&M, meh. Yeah. We'll see. It's going to be a, uh, a fascinating – we're a third of the way through the season now. 
And yet there's still so much to learn, so much to know that we just don't know yet. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We are back right after this. Super Talk Mississippi. So, what happened in Jonesboro? I mean, you know, you got to play the games, so forgive me for being that guy. Uh, this is one that I chalked up as a victory for Southern Miss and have talked very openly about that, right? You know, you got a chance to. Feel better after this one. Go get a win. Get it back to 500. Get ready for conference play, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Arkansas State's been really bad, like, for a couple of years now. Southern Miss scores first to go up 7 to nothing, but the uh, the next three scores belonged to Arkansas State. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal. Southern Miss cut it to, um, they cut it to three. And back to a six-point game, back to a three-point game. And then Arkansas State got a touchdown to make it 27-17 early in the third quarter. Like second play, or I guess it was the first play. I guess it was a kick return and then a 60-yard touchdown pass to make it 27-17. And then it was 34-17. And it kind of went back and forth. I mean, Southern Miss had a stretch there from mid-third quarter to early fourth quarter, where they cut it from 34-17 to 34-24, 34-27, and then tied the game at 34. But then Arkansas State got a field goal and a touchdown. Southern Miss kicked a field goal with 16 seconds left. I mean, they had to have two scores, so it was put points on the board and then try and get an onside kick and go Hail Mary. And... I don't know what to say following this one for the uh, for the Golden Eagles. Billy Wiles threw for 215 yards and two touchdowns, but he was intercepted twice. It was by far Frank Gore's best game of the year. Carried it 20 times for 132 yards. And Southern Miss had 234 yards passing and 215 yards rushing. This one's hard to explain. I mean, Arkansas State ran it for 192, so fewer rushing yards. They threw for 233, so basically the same there. Weird game. And and, and a tough yeah, you loss, look at, a bad loss. You look at last week for, for Southern, you know, they only scored three points. So you're like, okay, if they get the offense fixed, they probably win that game. So, okay, this week they have, a, a you just said those numbers, great numbers, 37 points and then 400-plus yards total offense. But you can't stop anybody. That's, that's concerning when it goes from one side of the ball to the other. 
And Sunbelt doesn't offer you any breaks either. That's a scheduling break that, that they didn't take advantage of. I mean, Butch Jones has really struggled at Arkansas State. I mean, he's on the hot seat. Probably going to get fired after this year, even despite that win. So um, I've seen some Southern Miss fans ask the question, you know, uh, it wasn't long ago where we had state fans asking the question about the top of their program. Is it right? And I don't know the answer to that. We'll, we'll let the season play out. But but it's fair to ask. There was hey, a look, built-in uh, excuse the last couple of years with injuries at quarterback and losing games because you – you know, you're playing a running back and quarterback and you can't stay healthy there, and you are now, and and yet. So. And, and look, I mean, Arkansas State got beat 73 to nothing by Oklahoma and 37 to 3 by Memphis. And then they beat Stony Brook. So there was nothing in what they had done so far this season that made you think, oh, they're going to go out and score 44. Oh, this is a game that, that you can lose. It, it just wasn't there, and yet it ended up there in the end. Look, I mean, when you think about programs like Southern Miss, we think about teams kind of within the same geographic footprint, right? Troy, South Alabama, Louisiana Lafayette. Others, if you want to. But Troy and South Alabama both had great seasons last year, and they've been very up and down this year. South Alabama's got a great win on the road, and then they came home and they lost to Central Michigan. Troy lost to... Who was it they lost to two weeks ago? It was was one of those home losses where you're like, wait, what? So it's hard to be consistently good... We understand that. I, look, I, I think... They lost to James Madison. Who's good. Really yeah. good. J- James Madison's good. Was that the, like, 16-14 loss? Yep. Yes, yes. Okay. The other one was Kansas State. So. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, the, the, the talk of... Is Will Hall the right answer? I mean, I think that's so incredibly premature. Um, look, the the fact of the matter is, I don't think that Southern Miss or other schools like Southern Miss can afford to have a quick trigger finger on a decision like that. There's just not as much wiggle room within budgets in terms of making decisions. But I don't even know if you had a big old fat pile of money sitting there with nothing to do that that's the right decision. Uh, I mean, probably not. It's but the the question and it actually being something that can turn into reality are two different things. Uh, but I think it was Jeff earlier. And he's right. I mean, there's a chance that if they don't write the ship, this could turn into historically bad. I know there's a, a recent 0-12 in there, but, I mean, Texas State beat Baylor. That's who's next. You have to go to South Alabama. You have to go to Boone. I mean, ULM beat Army. It's It does not get – in fact, it will not be any easier than the chance that you had on Saturday for the rest of the year. 
Yeah. I mean, there, there's a there's a chance a, a ship can be righted and all things are good. That's the the beauty of football sometimes. And the odds makers are the steadiest people on earth, by the way. Like we talked Ole Miss fans earlier and their their disappointment. The odds makers think that LSU is only a point and a half better than Ole Miss. So they're not overreacting. Uh, there's a chance a, a ship gets righted here, but if it doesn't, there's a cliff up ahead. Yeah, I mean, looking ahead for Southern Miss, it's it's Texas State and Old Dominion at home in back-to-back weeks, a couple of night games. Then they go to South Alabama, go to App State. That's a couple of hard road games. Then ULM at home, and then they go to Louisiana, and then go to Mississippi State. I mean, not, nothing like in the middle of your conference slate, stepping into the non-conference and going on the road to an SEC stadium. And then it's Troy on the, the 25th of November to close it out. We talked about it with Luke last week. But he, he, he very clearly said they need to pile up some wins in this first half because the second half is hard. It's coming. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But I, I did not see that coming on Saturday night. Apparently, Arkansas State made a quarterback cha- change. They've got what the kid that transferred out of Colorado is that right, Jalen Rayner? I think that's yes. what the person with the texture was saying. Text line was saying. Well, when you've got the third best quarterback in college football, of course you're going to transfer out. Oh wait. Hmm. Wait, what? Oh, remember everybody put Shador as number three on the draft board and all that after he played well against Colorado State? Completely bypassing Michael Penix and everybody else playing really good football and just put him up right behind Caleb Williams? Yeah. Yeah. That lasted a week. Shador Sanders is a really good player. He's a really good player. He's not Michael Penix. No. No. We will uh, pick up and... Take a peek at the uh, the rest of the SEC when we uh, when we come back. Look at some of those scores and uh, some of what happened around college football. You can be a part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Weekend of activities coming up, including the uh, double-decker bus rides to see the schedule and how you can get tickets. Go to their website, visitoxfordms.com. Also, check them out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at visitoxfordms. Um, that's the best way to stay in touch with everything that is happening in and around Oxford, certainly going into a, uh, a busy weekend. Ceasefire text line is 601-879-4395. We will begin to bounce around the SEC, we will get to some winners and losers. we got a college football fix coming your way and a whole lot more at Sports Talk Mississippi with you. On this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio, we're back right after this.
you can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. All right, question for you guys. Remember all the uh, the buildup we had last week to, oh wait, I got another question for you guys. I hadn't seen any of the pom-pom waving today from the two of you. What happened? Are you, like, taunting somebody about an injury? Is that is that what you're wanting to do? What is going on here? This is I ridiculous. Mean, the, the, the classlessness to taunt people. Because Pretty a player typical got, no, 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 Richard just, Cross look, behavior. Hey guys, guys, look, I was I was a real like I all I didn't watch any football. What I just I, it's just weird to me. Yeah, they, we, I mean we've come in the last two weeks and all I've heard about is undefeated and how good and what and did did it not go well yesterday? Again, taunting people over an injury just uh, unbelievable. Incredible. The, the depth. Can you believe this? Uh, no. I, I guess well, I can. actually, I can. I can. Yeah. I can't believe it. It's, no, it's, it's ridiculous. No, offensive line play with the Saints is is Derek Carr is is probably not going to play Sunday, but luckily it's just an AC joint, so he could he'll come back soon. Possibly could play through it, depending on pain tolerance and stuff, as early as this Sunday. They were on pace to give up sixty eight sacks if he were to play this weekend. That, that's the pace they're on. They give up a sack per quarter. And couldn't run the football and have been getting by thanks to some heroics from Carr and great defense. Gave up fewer than 20 points yet again. But when he goes out, the Jameis-led offense couldn't even get a couple of first downs. That's all they really needed to do to avoid that epic collapse, and it wasn't enough. Disaster scenario. Carr went down in that end of the game, man. Yeah. And, And looked really good early. Yeah, they did. I mean, just boom, boom, boom out of the gate. You know, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, and just really impressive. But, but Kamara coming back only helps a little because they're so bad up front. They can't run. They can't pass protect. And that offensive line has, what, three first-rounders and a second-rounder on it? It's inexcusable to be as bad as they are considering the draft capital that they have put into that offensive line. Yeah. No other way around it. Uh, so the the question I was going to ask before I started messing with you guys just a touch was um, so much build up last week into the great weekend that we had coming with six top twenty five ranked matchups. Did did this past weekend deliver? Yes. Yeah, I think so. There were good games. Florida State, Clemson was really good. Notre Dame, Ohio State was really good. Um, I I thought LSU, Arkansas was really good. We had a yeah, witching hour. Games. We had we we got the feeling of a witching hour with Ohio State Notre Dame down to the wire, Mississippi State South Carolina late in the game, and LSU Arkansas late in the game, and all three of those were either tied or like three point games all at the same time, and I had them all up at once, and like your eyes were just bouncing around which game to go like, to, which Scott game to go Hansen. to. I need Scott Hanson to lead me through this seriously uh, this next fifteen minutes. Oh, yeah. that was that was awesome, and Clemson Florida State was great, and by the way. Um, Keon Coleman, worth every NIL dollar. And, and I was texting with a, a friend that went to Clemson after that game. He was at the game and had a few and was, was a little upset. But the difference in that game was one player, really. Clemson lined up and played with Florida State for four quarters. Probably should have beat them. The difference was one player. How did Florida State get that one player? Transfer portal. Keon Coleman. 
Dabo Sweeney refused to even try to get in the game with that kid. And that was the difference in the game. Or any other kid. True. But but that happened right in front of his face on his home field in a game that he should have won. The difference was Keon Coleman. If he doesn't adapt, they're going to get buried. Florida State's a wagon, man. They didn't even play that well. But they're good. That was a fun football game. Klubnik's getting better, I think. Who's the most impressive team through four weeks of college football? Washington. Florida State. Yeah, that's probably number two. Who did, who did you Texas, say? Texas. Florida State. What about Oregon? Oregon. They haven't been tested. Washington hadn't exactly been, been tested. tested either, but. Yeah. I mean, Texas is there. Florida State's there. Mm-hmm. Washington and Oregon. How about Duke? Honorable Duke mention. They, they don't belong in that tier, I don't think, but got to throw them in there, I think. By the way, Ole Miss fell five spots in the AP poll from 15 to 20, and they fell four spots in the coaches' poll from 16 to 20. Uh, LSU, the opponent this weekend, is number 13 in the AP. They're number 12 in the coaches' poll. Um, Alabama moves to 12, so they moved up one spot in the AP poll. They moved up one spot to 11 in the coaches' poll. Uh, top five for the AP is Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Ohio State, Florida State. All five of those teams are receiving first-place votes, as is Washington. And in the coaches' poll, it's Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State 2, Florida State, or Ohio State 3, Florida State 4, Texas 5. Um, you have first-place votes that are going to Georgia, Ohio State, and Washington so far. I would not vote Ohio State number one right now. They are too conservative. Imagine being conservative with those weapons. But they are. they got to keep Marvin Harrison Jr. healthy. Yeah. Guy gets banged up a lot. He's really, really good. College football fix. That's how we will start the 5 o'clock hour with you on the other side of this timeout at Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon, starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us as we roll into the 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. When you head to the uh, head to the Grove, you head to the Junction, head to the Rock, be sure you look your best in uh, the collegiate collection from Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Maybe you want the uh, the quarter zip like Borky's got on there, or uh, you're looking for stripes like Hey Dad and I are wearing today. They will uh, they'll take care of you. You've got the uh, the fall stuff has come in 
and a lot of really, really good stuff that you can find on their website at genteelapparel.com. That's genteelapparel.com. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. That's two 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book your tee time and plan your trip today at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. They've got the best in wireless. They've got the best in home Internet. They've also got the best in business IT solutions to help you be your best as well. Find them online at cspire.com. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Check out all that they've got to offer, whether it's a truck or an SUV or a sedan, maybe the Mustang. They get you covered at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Have you guys peeked at the schedule for this weekend? And there's one thing in particular that stands out. Friday night. We got bangers on Friday night this week. Louisville is at NC State on Friday night. That's undefeated Louisville at one loss NC State. A top 20 matchup in the Pac-12 with Utah at Oregon State. Oregon State coming off their first loss of the season. You've also got Cincinnati at BYU. Big 12 matchup on Friday night. If you find yourself on Friday nights, kind of you're, maybe you're not at a high school football game and you're just like flipping around, you're like, eh, there's football, but it's not really anything I care about. That's three really good games on Friday night this week. Really good. Louisville, NC State, Utah, Oregon State, Cincinnati, BYU. Yeah. Good games. <clears throat> yeah. I think I'm most interested in the Friday night schedule each week because I find myself sitting in a hotel room after I've eaten dinner and just ready to crash for the night. And it's like, hey, um, there's uh, uh, give me something good to watch. And, uh, and that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, let's go back. Uh, we'll have winners and losers when we uh, when we get to the next segment. So let's go back and, and talk briefly about Ole Miss, Alabama, and uh, Mississippi State, South Carolina from the uh, the weekend that was. What is the overwhelming takeaway for you from Ole Miss, Alabama? Oh, that's a loaded question because, as you know, entirely new audience and stuff. But I, I think it's. It's put up or shut up time now for Lane Kiffin, and it starts as early as this week. A legacy for an Ole Miss coach is not defined by what he does against Nick Saban's Alabama. It's not, and it's a double-edged sword, right? If he'd have won Saturday, everybody would have called the the trolling and everything genius and brilliant. But he lost, and so he's being ridiculed nationally. Was ridiculed nationally all day Saturday, and it's happening again today as well. How serious are you? You know, I, I, we know he's a good offensive mind. Once he gets to week six at Old Miss, it will be his longest stop ever in his career. Well, I think it was year four after week five when he got fired on the tarmac at USC. So, who are you? Are you an offensive mind that took Old Miss to a Sugar Bowl in year two? that can recruit really well and win games and bring flash and national attention to a program? 
or are you a washed attention seeker? Which one are you? We'll find out. These next two games, it'll tell us a lot about him as a as a serious head coach or just a guy that is good for media to get clicks on. Yeah, you know, I think it's good that Alabama was early this year. I think it's good that that's the first game of SEC play, and that is out of the way. Because it is it is abundantly clear that Lane Kiffin puts a ton into the Alabama game. He wants more than he's ever admitted publicly to win that game, to beat Nick Saban. <clears throat> it's personal to it. And it has caused him to coach in different ways and try different things, and it's it's been unsuccessful. Right? I mean, 2020 was kind of a free shot, and it was a track meet, and it was close enough, but, and, and, and you know, he's like, you know, we didn't come here to play close games. 2021 was a disaster. Last year was a close game, and Ole Miss did everything but score touchdowns, right? They moved it up and down the field in that game and rolled up a bunch of yards and just couldn't get it done there at the very end. This year was... It was a really conservative game plan. And you didn't, obviously, you couldn't be what Ole Miss was in 2021 in Tuscaloosa, where it was just reckless. And like the first couple of times that Ole Miss punted, I was like, yeah, hey, all right, there, there's, there's progress that has been made here. But, but the play calling itself and the plan offensively, I think was too conservative. And so the reason I say it's a good thing that that happens early, I don't think you can allow what happened a year ago to happen when it happens in week four, right? I mean, the, the, the thing last year was a November game, and they had a chance, and all the stage was set, and then it was, you know, kind of a, a hangover from the Alabama game, and they got – you know, I'd lost a couple, and then you got the job speculation stuff, and it just it just spun out of control at the end of the season. Lane Kiffin's got to find a way to get his team back up, right? How many times have we heard say, well, you can only get up so many times in a season? Well, you better be up this Saturday, and you better be up next Saturday. And, you know, maybe you get to take a little bit of a breather after that. <coughs> but the next two weeks are really, really big for Ole Miss. Really big. Hey, Dad, what was the what was the big takeaway you had from Saturday night in Columbia? They're they're not dead yet. Is it, if that makes sense? I think after the LSU game, a lot of fans were just like, oh, "If this is what this is, this state has no chance." And, and I think a lot of people gave up on Will Rogers after the LSU game, and he came back and showed you that hey, he can do this. He can run this offense. State still has a ton to figure out, but I, I just I, I'm going to have some some belief that Arnett can get some things going defensively, and they can be good enough defensively to win some games. And then offensively, if you see more of what you saw uh, Saturday night, they, they, they'll be okay. All right, they're not, are they going to be a, an eight, nine, ten win team? Probably not. No chance of that. But they're going to be they can be a seven win team and show you that going forward into into. In the year two of Arnett, they're going to be okay. 
So I think I think a lot of people wrote off state after the LSU game, and even in defeat, I think they, they got some people back on board last last night or Saturday night. Were the defensive issues in your mind personnel related or scheme related? Both. I think more personnel though. I, I just they, they just don't have the pieces back there in that secondary right now. And then at the same time, when they bring pressure, they're not getting home. You know, I mean, when you can't, when you bring pressure and you don't no, they, get there, I mean, they had sacks, and then though. you can't cover. They had a couple. They had three sacks. I mean, yeah, but I mean, this is the second week in a row a quarterback has been the SEC Offensive Player of the Week after playing Mississippi State. Daniels and Rattler combined are forty-eight of fifty-four for six hundred and fifty yards, something like that. I mean. Rattler was 18 of 20, and I, I'll say the same thing I said last week when we were talking about Daniels being 30 of 34. That's tough to do against air. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just, they just, they, they got a, they've got there's, there's a disconnect. There's a, a systemic failure back there with their pass defense. Spencer Rattler, 18 of 20 for 288 with three touchdowns, and he was sacked four times. And look, we spent a lot of time. What was it Tuesday last week talking about Xavier Leggett? And mm-hmm. not allowing him to do what Malik Neighbors did, and then I think I went back to that in the um, in our two questions on, on Friday. Leggett had five catches, so they limited his number of catches, but they were big plays. Good grief! Five catches for 189 yards and two touchdowns. That is a night at the office for Xavier Leggett. All right, we'll get into winners and losers when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Time slots 4 o'clock. We pushed it back because we were busy early to 5.20. It's time for winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. You know how it works. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? You can send us your winners and losers on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. See how many we can work in. Hey, Dad, give me a winner to start things off. I think you got to go with Florida State. I mean, they, they, they got the Clemson monkey off of their back. They're now the dominant program in the ACC again. Uh, they're well on their way to the college football playoff. They just have to handle their business the rest of the way. Um, you know, they were in a tough environment, tough situation. Clemson was very much in must-win mode. They played well enough to win. They didn't play their best game and still walked out of there with a with a victory. I think their Florida State is probably right now the team to beat. They should be the number one team in the nation. The Miami Dolphins are a winner. They hung <laughs> seventy. 
yesterday. 70 in an NFL game on the Denver Broncos. Tonga Bailoa threw for 309 yards and four touchdowns. Devon A. Chain, the former Texas A&M running back, had 18 carries for 203 yards and two touchdowns. And the former Chief Tyreek Hill, pretty darn good. Nine catches for a buck 57 and a touchdown. They scored 70. 14 in the first quarter, 21 in the second, 14 in the third, 21 in the fourth. That doesn't happen in the NFL. But it did on Sunday. Whew. It's a shame that happened to Sean Payton. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Yeah. Or he give me a oh, no, Come on now. Hey, he gets what he deserves for his comments on Nathaniel Hackett's coaching job at Denver. Ripping on him the way you did, and then you turn yeah, out an 0-3 start and get beat by 50, you get what you him, get. Though. I still love him. Uh, Dan Lanning's a winner. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass. Right? It's going to be played on the grass. Let's go. And, uh, buddy, was that game played on, which I believe is actually turf there at Oregon. Uh, But. Yeah, it's turf. But still. and, And, gosh, the. I like Deion Sanders. I feel like I have to qualify this every time. I like Deion Sanders. I think he's ultimately good for, for college football. He's interesting. He's a story. He's flashy. He he talks a lot. And then when he gets beat, he gets to reap in that. But when he wins, he gets to... like That kind of stuff, having a, a talented villain is good for sports. And he's kind of a villain. He brings it on himself. But the media reaction to that speech right there, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Oh, but it's inaccurate. What what is inaccurate about it? He's trying to fire up his football team before a game. Oh well, Dion. After the, the that, the only reason for a pregame speech in the locker room is to reiterate your game plan and to fire up your team before they take the field in the game. That's exactly what he did. Yeah, and it worked, uh, mind you. And we only have it because they get. I mean, ESPN begs for access to the locker room prior to games, and so that's why you've got it. Yeah, and it was great. Like it, it added to the broadcast. It's awesome. It gives people a little insight of, you know, football's a violent game after all. And there's a bunch of charged up guys, and there's emotion in it. And what cracks me up about the the media reaction to all this is the one person that is not asking to be defended is Deion Sanders, and yet a bunch of people on these giant platforms on ESPN and elsewhere have to bend over backwards and break themselves into mental pretzels to defend Deion Sanders when he's like, we got whooped today. Better get us now because we're going to be better than this soon, but we got whooped today. Well, did you hear about what Lanning said? No, it was fine. He's firing up his football team. They whooped us. The one person that is not asking to be defended is being defended hand over fist by the media. It's ridiculous. People are silly. It is, man. I mean, just people are silly. And you know who it is? It, it is people that traditionally cover the NFL and the NBA. And they'll soon go back to those after USC beats them by twenty-eight points, and you know they lose to Utah, and, and they they have five losses, and they'll go back to covering that instead of pretending like this was anything other than a really nice story on a team that is overmatched against the better teams that they'll play this season, which is what they always were. So it was always going to be. They had yeah. no shot on Saturday. None. Zero. 
It's a great early. It is a great early college football story. Absolutely. He's done a great job there. Yeah, and I think Colorado's going to be a bowl team. I do. I think they're going to win enough the rest of the way to to get to six, maybe seven, and that'll be good. We'll get to see more of them at the end of the year. Hey, Dad, do you have another winner, or do you want to go to a loser? We can do a loser. Whatever you like. Uh, I was I, I was gonna I was gonna go with what Borky just said though. I, I'm I'm just annoyed. Maybe it's because we're such a college football centric show, but I'm just annoyed by all these talking heads who just have no idea about college football and how it works and what it is. And and you know, there were NFL people talking about well, if Travis Hunter would have played, it w- it would have been forty two to twelve. I mean, maybe he's worth a touchdown. You've got Keyshawn Johnson, who is a guy who knows how football works. That's a guy who played in college and played in the NFL. He knows how football works, but he's got to go play Triple H on Fox Sports and play his character. Oh, the coaches were giving uh, the, the details on how to beat uh, Colorado to Oregon. They just told him to run the ball up the middle because they can't block any, they can't stop anybody because they don't have any good defensive linemen. What did they tell him? It's just annoying. It's like maybe you should just leave college football to those of us that actually follow college football. I, I try to stay. I don't do a whole lot of NFL talk because I, I will admit freely that I don't follow it as closely. Maybe they should do the same. And then it's already starting. I saw, and it was a Colorado-based reporter that, that did this, but uh, claiming that Dan Lanning ran up the, sto- the score, and guess what? He kind of did. Um, and if roles were reversed, what would the national reaction be? Nothing. You don't think Colorado would run up the score on somebody if they had the chance? Oh, if they could have done that to Oregon, they would have scored every single possession. And everybody around the country would have been like, okay. The, the concept of running up the score is, is so goofy to even it, – it's a, it's a ranked matchup in a conference game. I get it if it wasn't Colorado, if it was Northern Colorado School for Mines or whatever, and Oregon is still trying to score touchdowns up 100 in the fourth quarter. That's running up the score. That is a a game that is just for money and nothing else. But when it's a conference game and a ranked team, score on every possession. And if they can't stop you, sorry, it's big boy football. All of the takes around this are just absolutely nuts. I got one more winner for you. Centurion Perkins. Now, his stat line of five tackles doesn't just jump off the page at you, but if you dig just a little bit deeper and you see that that's two two sacks and two and a half tackles for loss, and you actually watch the game, and you're like, oh, oh, he's different. He's different. We, we, we followed his high school career, and he was different at Raleigh, and there's a reason that everybody in America wanted him big time including Nick Saban, badly. That was a huge, huge recruiting win for Ole Miss a year ago, and he's already paying dividends, and the limitation of his snaps I think is about to stop. I think you're about to see a lot of number four on the field on the defensive side for Ole Miss the rest of the way. He was really, really good. Forky, you got a winner or a loser? Yeah, I had another one, actually. Uh, quick change of pace to Major League Baseball. So these numbers just came out. As of September 24th, 2023, there have been nine games that have taken longer than three and a half hours. Last year, 231. The year before, 390. Wow. They didn't reduce a single pitch 
a single play, and yet they cut game time down considerably. It was a really good idea for Major League Baseball. Had a really good year. I know when football comes, it kind of just disappears. But you've even had like some Cinderella stuff, like the Orioles and their payroll being nothing or up there and, and <clears throat> clinching a playoff spot. Rule worked. It was a good idea. And they're seeing the returns on that investment. Yeah, and people are going to lock back in uh, a couple of weeks from now when we get to the uh, playoffs. That's how it, how it works with Major League Baseball, right? People watch early in the season. They check in around the All-Star break. If there's a huge pennant race, okay, maybe they step in and, and kind of look at it for a little while. And then once you get to the postseason, people kind of jump back on board. And we'll kind of kind of do the same thing. Um, so and, and there's a great race that's going on in the American League West with the Rangers and the Astros. The Astros have lost seven of their last ten. Meanwhile, the Rangers have won five in a row, uh, and they are on top of the uh, the division. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch unfold as we uh, we move toward the playoffs. Uh, we'll get to your winners and losers on the Ceasefire text line when we come back in the Pearl River Resort studio. is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. market for a new vehicle, Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota is the place to go, regardless of where you live. Whether you're on the coast or in the Jackson metro area or maybe you're in North Mississippi, make the drive or at least make the call to Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota in Oxford. They're located on Highway 6 West, just west of the Jackson Avenue Interchange. You can uh, check in on the vehicles that they've got on the lot. Great savings on the F-150, up to $9,000 off MSRP with approved credit. On the 2023 Ford F-150, they've got several of those that are on the lot right now. They've also got a Bronco out there. There's a Bronco Sport that's there and uh, a lot of options. Plus, the used car selection is outstanding. Whether you're looking for a car, a truck, or an SUV, they've got you covered with the uh, pre-owned selection that is on the lot. And service after the sale with the routine maintenance like... Oh, you know, rotating your tires and changing your oil and also the more serious stuff. They will take care of you at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Uh, great people. Tell them we sent you that you heard about Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota on Super Talk Mississippi, on Sports Talk Mississippi. We would uh, appreciate that very much. They will treat you like family because they are a family company, have been, and that's what they stand by. Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Let's go to the ceasefire text line. 601-879-4395. Ben, always good about sending us Delta State information. He's got Delta State as a winner. Uh, they are now 4-0 on the year. Quarterback Patrick Shegog was 15 of 19 for 289 yards, ran for a couple of touchdowns, and uh, has thrown for five touchdowns. I'm sorry, ran for two, threw for five. He's got 15 touchdowns this year. So uh, really good playing by Delta State. 
Congratulations to the Statesmen on another win. They are ranked sixth nationally at this point, so playing really, really good football. Uh, let's see. Let's grab a few of the other winners and losers that you have on the ceasefire text line. Winner, Barbet. Loser, Brock. There's another one, though. Huh. But but there's, there's another one. Uh, it, it, the exact principle applies to the people that are just, well, Charlie Weiss sucks, Charlie Weiss sucks, Charlie Weiss sucks. Every single call he makes goes through the headset of the head coach who's holding a play sheet who is known has a reputation of being an offensive mind, and admitted yesterday that he vetoes any call he doesn't like, which means he endorses all of them. So don't skip over the head coach to blame the offensive coordinator when he's an offensive-minded head coach. Same thing here. You can't just blame Matt Brock for poor defensive performances when Zach Ornett is a defensive-minded head coach. Calls go through him. He's got a headset on, man. If he does not like what is being called, he changes it. Or can. He's a head coach. Don't absolve these guys of blame for what they're known for not going well. You can't just point to Weiss and Brock. They have to bear responsibility of those units performing poorly as well. Sure. Sure. Um, Winner. Travis Kelsey scoring Taylor Swift. Okay. There's a conspiracy out there that it's... Strictly their agents engaging in a publicity stunt. But Taylor Swift doesn't need publicity. Travis Kelsey doesn't really either. That's the thing. Yeah, so maybe they're just uh they're just kind of dating and maybe everybody should just kind of let them be humans for a little while. I don't know. Maybe they're just having fun. Like Ian Rappaport said, let's put a camera on Taylor Swift for the entire game and dedicate a channel just to Taylor Swift watching Travis Kelsey play. Like, don't you have children? I, I hope, Aren't you I hope an adult? Was, I hope he was joking when he said that. He said, who says no? <sighs> um, loser, Lane Kiffin for talking crap all week and then crapping the bed on Saturday. That's why I didn't say Kiffin. I, I knew it was in the uh, I knew the comments were coming. It's pretty pretty straightforward. Pretty <laughs> uh pretty straightforward there. Let's see here. Um Richard, where are you picking for the steak dinner? I don't know. I'm picking. I'm picking. Last two times I've won a bet with you, you picked the place. I'm picking. Did I pick poorly? Did I choose poorly? One of them wasn't great. Where? Birmingham? The one in Birmingham. No, I agree yeah. with that. I, but it was the best option we I had. Thought, I thought we would go uh, after we go to dinner after our remote in Jackson in a couple weeks. San informed we can go to Ely's or... Sounds good. Wherever you want to go. All right. Maybe maybe like stop at Tico's. Done. I've Love got it. I've got a recommendation for you guys, and they don't pay me for it, so I'm not going to say their name, but I've got one for you. That that's okay. where you guys are going to go. I think you have my number. I think so. I'll have to double check. All right. Uh, yeah. Do we have any other losers? Announcers on the A and M Auburn game. Watching that on mute, I don't know who it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I think that was Bob with shoes, and I think Chris Budden was on the sideline. Tell, tell me more. What 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 was the issue that you had with the announcers for that game? Love to uh, love to know that. I Let's think Jimbo should stick with Max Johnson. By the way. Oh yeah. 
Looked good. He looked really good. Now, RG3 Sweet. might not be your uh, your cup of tea. So he was the analyst. RG3 the was the issue there. Yeah, yeah. Bob Lashusen's fine. Chris Budden's great. RG3, you kind of either love him or you don't. What did you think of the CBS announcers for the Ole Miss Alabama game? They're fine, weren't they? Eh. I, the only thing I didn't like, they started off the game with, it's one of the greatest rivalries in the SEC. And I was just like, really? Alabama Ole Miss is one of the greatest rivalries in the SEC? Is it? Maybe not. No. I, sometimes you can over, <laughs> overpopulate a booth. Sometimes two analysts are too many. It, it, does that make sense? Yeah. I actually thought McCourty was pretty good. Was that play-by-play guy? No, no, no that was Tom McCarthy. No, McCourty's the – Yeah, McCourty is good. Ross played recently okay. enough that he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, loser, replay officials in the South Carolina-Mississippi State game. Okay. I mean, I, look, you're a fan of a team, and that's that's fine. That you disagree that calls went your way, or you think that the replay officials are out to get you, or whatever. I mean, the the interception they very clearly got right. It doesn't make sense, but it by the rule it's right. It, it was correct. The fumble. Look, you, you are welcome to disagree with that, and I don't even think I'll argue with you. I think what they ultimately came up with was they did not have indisputable video evidence to overturn the call that was made on the field. And if that ball had been called incomplete on the field, I think the ruling would have been exactly the same. Stands is called on the field. So, eh, anyway. Um, let's see here. Zach in Oxford says, uh, can't say Ole Miss fans feel much different on the bad play calling. Winner, Lane Kiffin for getting $9 million without winning a big game. So, by the way, he's got like three or four pretty good wins, by the way. Yeah. I mean, he beat Kentucky when they were a top 10 team last year. In 2021, they beat A&M when they were a top 15 team. They beat Indiana in the bowl game. They were a top 10 team, whatever. Uh, I'll give I'll give you AM, I'll give you Indiana. We're not gonna come on, Kentucky. They finished six and seven. Look, come on. Here, here's the deal. I, I disagree with this is this has nothing to do with this old miss point. I think you get credit for what a team was when you played them. I'm sorry if they tumble throughout the course of the season. I, I just I just I look at it as they were they were a six and seven team when you played them. They just hadn't gotten to the seven losses yet. But but that okay. that one aside, I mean, people are sharing these. The his record is this against teams that finished in the top twenty-five. Three of those years, he was playing at Florida. He was coaching at Florida Atlantic, for one. But um, he did take over an Ole Miss program that wasn't in particularly good shape. You, you do have to also allow for if if he didn't have signature wins in the first couple of years and year two went to a sugar bowl by the way but that 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 is not inherently bad either i i don't know i i think that the truth is in the middle he has zero signature wins he's never won a, a, an important game well that's garbage 
That night in Neyland, that was a big game. That was a big environment. That was a big win. And the team played well that night. And they were banged up badly and still played well and won. His program hosted college game day and they won the game. That's a big game and a big win. Is it Alabama and Tuscaloosa? No. However, their performance Saturday does also lead credence to he has yet to take Ole Miss to that next level. And playing the way they did Saturday proves that. The truth is in between those two statements. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Got another Monday Night Football doubleheader or overlapping doubleheader that's coming up in uh, just a few minutes. We're back right after this to wrap it up. Every time I look around, it's in my face. The Fee. Oh my God. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Well, it's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Yeah, I was always a crazy one, broke into the stadium, and I wrote your number on the 50-yard line. You were always a perfect one and a valedictorian, so under your number I wrote, call for a good time. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. <clears throat> Doubleheader tonight in the NFL, 6.15 kickoff, so about 20 minutes from right now. Philadelphia at Tampa Bay, a couple of 2-0 and teams. That game is on ABC and is streaming at ESPN+. And you've got the, uh, the Rams at the Bengals tonight. <laughs> Joe Burrow is expected to play in the game. Rams are 1-1. One one. The Bengals are 0-2. Which of those two games will garner more of your attention? Bucks-Eagles. Hope it yeah. goes to 12 overtimes. I know that's not possible, but... <laughs> the Saints have the Bucks uh, next, and it's a short yeah. week, and so just getting kind of physically beat up would, would be nice, and... Yeah. You know, maybe Jameis won't suck next Sunday in a revenge game. Maybe Derek Carr will play next Sunday. Maybe. Wouldn't that be great? That would be lovely. Or just run zone reads with Taysom Hill. That's what they should have done the second Carr went down. Just run zone reads with Taysom Hill for the rest of the game. They they had Lynn Bowden in the preseason. That guy, he'll, he'll run the ball all that game long. Nobody can stop him. He was active for the game. He was on the sideline. Yes. Just tell them, get out there. We're going to run Kentucky 2019 offense. Unstoppable. Can't pass, but who cares? Burrow's back tonight. Um, Just got cleared like 10 minutes ago. Or just broke anyway. I'm sure he got cleared earlier in the day, but went through warm-ups and he's good to go. So last week in our Polks pick six, the, the games that we had were Ole Miss, Alabama, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Auburn, Texas A&M, Arkansas, LSU, Southern Miss, Arkansas State, and Ohio State, Notre Dame. Would you care to take a guess how many people went 6-0? and Can't be any. Can't be any. Nobody. Eight. Sixteen people went 6-0. Wow. 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 I wouldn't have believed it. That's surprising. I really wouldn't Would not have believed, have believed it. that, man. 
So, all right, so the Especially with Southern Miss losing. Yeah, the tiebreaker for last week was total points Ole Miss-Alabama. So it was 34. Uh, 37. Congrats to? Well, I, I'm just checking the timestamp real quick. Nope. We got another shyster. Oh, yesterday wow. was the 24th, right? That is yes. correct. All right, you're out, Fred. They're out. Oh, Fred. How, how dare you? Later, Fred. Be. Oh, he can get over on us. Um. All right, I got. We don't have to do. Can't do this on the air. I got to figure this out and figure out what's going on. All, all right. right. We'll have it for you tomorrow. Yeah, we'll have you a a winner tomorrow from the. Um. Actually, we we can't do it. Hold on a second. <laughs> okay. Never mind. New segment snip, tomorrow, snap, too. Snip, very snap, snap. All right, so 34 was the total. We had two people that picked 38. All right, one of them is number one. The other one is number two. I need you guys to pick one or two. Do you? And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to raise my hand into the camera, and you'll see the number after you pick it, all right? I'm not changing anything. Hey, Dad, all give right. me a, a one or a two. 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 All right. Two, two is the number that I chose. All right, so our winner right. is Jeffrey Chancellor. All right, so we'll get All the right. info to uh, we'll get the info to Jeffrey, and uh, we will get you your prize package from Polks coming out. So very cool, Jefferson you got, Chancellor. You've got meat. Congrats. Yes, yes, yes. Meat is uh, is going to be headed your way, and I promise. Well, I don't want to promise, but I, I hope you will enjoy it. You know, a guy named Jefferson Chancellor went to Ole Miss. Really? He could be Jeffrey. Uh, is is Jeffrey a given name? I always figured it was short for Jefferson. Is that a really dumb thing no, to Jeffrey's say? No, Jeffrey's a given name. Yes, that's a very oh. dumb thing to say. Uh, well, Jeff, Jeffrey is a real name. In my scenario, his name is Jefferson, and he was... The, Jefferson Chancellor definitely went to Ole Miss, and he's probably yeah. the fourth. He, he was the rush chair for Sigma Nu. <laughs> All the fraternity jokes. Hey, I was yeah. one. Bowen Indianola says you got to be a sorry blanking cheat on radio pickall board. <laughs> it's three times in four doing? weeks where we've had a cheater. I, I like. I keep Have telling you, no you honor. I keep telling you, friends. There is a timestamp. It is not hard. It's just one column over. All I got to scroll to make sure that uh, you got your picks in on time. So uh, yeah. Kills me that I missed most of the show. I could tell last week that Richard and Mike felt like Ole Miss was going to upset Bama. I wanted to hear their traction. Thought there was a chance, but it was going to take playing well. And they did not play well. And you know what? As a result, they finished in second place on Saturday. It happens. Thanks for All being right. with us. It does Michael happen. Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.